Alrighty, we're back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it is episode number 476. We're recording live on Tuesday, August the 4th. Aubriana, how are you? I'm pretty good, hanging in there. Nothing new to report here, you know? <laughs> no? Well, my, my Blue Jays are in Atlanta today to play, play your brave, so that's good. That is good. Maybe I'll tune in later. Yeah, although you you now don't have your uh, your ace pitcher anymore. He's he's out, I guess, for this. I know. I just heard so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting to watch the baseball uh, season and the games being canceled and you know you know the caution, which is justified. But yeah, it's 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 very interesting. And yeah, sure. yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, we've got a good show for you. We've got. Uh, no guests this week, uh, but five interesting in- industry news stories for you across the board, covering a number of member companies and uh, a number of interesting brands. So I'll let uh, we'll just jump into it. And I'll let Aubriana kick it off with uh, you know one of her favorite brands, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yes, my closet is filled with Burberry. Um, <laughs> no, I I don't think I own anything Burberry. I am not that posh. Um, so. Burberry has teamed up with Tencent, and this is interesting. So they're launching their first, what they're calling a social store in Shenzhen and the uh, Bay Mixi development. And this is about 6,000 square feet, and they've got a lot of different things going on in there uh, to really encourage social shopping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they have this interactive experience that they put together with uh, Tencent's WeChat mini program. Um, so customers can unlock exclusive, exclusive content um, and they can have these personalized experiences as they go into the store. Um, so, you know, they've designed digital technology within all of the different, you know, spaces that they've created in this massive store. Um, and so, you know, what they want customers to do is obviously like share content on social media, you know, and then based on that, they can bring these unique experiences to them. Uh, so all the stock in the store is labeled with QR codes. Um, so you can scan them and you can kind of see like they're called product swing tags. You can get all the information on the product right there uh, just by scanning the tag. Um, they also have this platform where you can explore um, explore the store. You can book book appointments, I guess, to come get like fitted for something. You can also reserve tables. They have a restaurant that's in there. It's called Thomas Cafe. Uh, which they're also using for a community space and can be used for private events, um, which is kind of cool. And then they have this like mini program where they're called, um, they're basically creating social currency. So, you know, based upon how active you are or how often you visit, you know, you can, um, you can get like these characters to engage with others and, and get things like, you know, rewards in the cafe or, um, you know, this is all through this exclusive partnership that they've done with Tencent, which is really interesting that they've done it exclusive, but I don't know who would actually, um, you know, be competitive to a Tencent there. Um, so, you know, this is the, this is their, like, they're developing this social retail strategy with Tencent. And, um, you know, this is kind of like their first step in the partnership and, and merging this social, digital, and physical retail space. So, you know, it's interesting. I do, what I always like is the idea of generating and creating organic content from your fans or consumers 
Um, I think that that's really powerful. And it's, you know, when you create these engaging experiences, you're able to, in essence, really offset your marketing costs and fees because your consumers are doing that for you. Um, you know, to me, like also the idea that this is a very high end brand, um, you know, it, it warrants for maybe a more fancy experience like this. I'm not sure that this would work at like, you know, a target, but it does work at some of the, you know, um, like maybe a, a higher end, like a Saks Fifth Avenue or something that's more, you know, drawn to a, a high uh, demographic consumer that would be, you know, able to spend this type of money. So I think this is interesting. You know, I like to think about ways that you can pull concepts or ideas from things like this and make it available to a general public and engage them. And I think there's ways that, you know, a Target could do something like this, right? You know, Target does have Starbucks inside of them and they do, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that love Target and they want to go and like shop their home goods or uh, you know, their swimwear or their kids stuff. So, you know, I think that there's things that you can pull from something with a really enormous budget and, and replicate them, you know, at different scales. So I think this is interesting. And, um, and I think Shenzhen is like the perfect environment and the cultural fit for this type of a play. I'm not sure how this would work, um, you know, in all locations, but it is interesting to see how they're rolling this in and partnering um, with other companies. Yeah, I, I mean, um, so two things I like about this story. Uh, one is is that you know, sort of the the, the use of uh, of QR codes to kind of drive the experience here. We've been talking a lot about that, obviously in China. You know, this has been going on for a long time. You know, we WeChat, uh, Pay, AliPay. You know, you you know, people have been paying with with QR over there for a long, long time. This is something that you know is is been accelerated here in North America, you know, brought on by COVID and the need for, you know, touch-free, um, you know, type of payments. But I like that this isn't a payment story. This is a story about how we're using the technology that's already in place, the social channels and platforms that are already in place, to drive content experiences. And the nice thing about it is, is that they're sort of activating these content experiences in the physical world. So. It's, you know, I think, um, you know, there, there's always that aspect for me when you talk about physical retail of how does, you know, you, how do you compete against online, right? Where, you know, price typically wins and all of that, right? And I think the best way you do that is by creating great experiential retail, you know, things and experiences that people can participate in and get involved in, um, you know, to create content or to you know, create some feeling uh, or, you know, association for them that they can't just have online because you can't do that online, right? You can only buy the thing online or see the range of products or what have you. So for me, that's what I really love about this, the experiential part of the retail of what they've created here. And I think using technologies in the social platforms, the QR codes that are, you know, well entrenched and already there make a ton of sense to me. Um, so that's that. That's what I'm excited about. I, you know, yeah, I think it, it, it would work well for a brand like Burberry uh, in this particular environment. And, you know, it's harder to translate this into, you know, sort of general, you know, retail like a Target, uh, as you mentioned. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the goal here. I think there are elements of this, you know, that every retailer should be doing. We've seen and we've talked on this show 
a lot in the last you know year, uh, especially the early part of this year, about a lot of the movements uh, from Pinterest uh, in kind of going into retail and creating experiences in bricks and mortar, you know, that tie back to content or shopping the you know the style on Pinterest or you know creating those sort of bridges between offline and online, if you will, or social and and bricks and mortar in this case. So I think this is very similar. And I think that it can have the same sort of power and effect and, and at the same time create great content for them. So there you go. All right, on to our second story now. Um, so here's, uh, there's a company that uh, is out there called Voxel 51, V-O-X-E-L 51. And these are guys that uh, have a platform or, uh, for monitoring in-store activity and traffic um and uh, measuring phys physical distancing uh, they've even created what they call a physical distancing index that uses video feeds and computer vision to model and reflect the amount of human activity in a particular location over time um, so you know very interesting stuff obviously in in COVID times the need to help retailers you know, uh, with whether it's mask compliance, uh, like we do at ground level, or, you know, uh, social distancing, or any of these types of things, um, you know, is really important right now in not just in retail, in any, you know, physical business, uh, where there's a, a location and people are coming to. What I like about this is that, you know, they're using the cameras, they're using the computer vision technology, not just to see what's going on in real time, but to model and, and predict and, and to sort of uh, understand sort of traffic flow patterns uh, over, over time periods. And, not, and they're not limiting this to the physical interior space as well. They envision a dashboard for retailers um, where they can see parking areas, individual aisles, you know, or departments and sort of break it down by sections. Um, to do what they're doing and, and so and kind of see those changes over time um, and how that you know can affect everything from you know staffing you know uh, levels to um, you know sales and things like that so I, I think these are the types of technologies that are finding you know new opportunity new life you know we talked about payments you know I just mentioned it but we've talked about it just recently in a, a couple shows ago and how COVID has really driven some of these technologies into mainstream that were on the fringes. And I think you're saying, seeing the same thing when it comes to video analytics uh, as well. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm always intrigued to, to see new companies coming in this area. Of course, when you're talking about video analytics, there's privacy concerns uh, to make sure that, you know, there's not facial recognition and those types of things, because we've seen a lot of companies, big companies pull out of that Amazon, IBM, and and many others um so you know kind of making sure that it's in that sort of privacy compliant anonymous framework if you're doing this type of work is super key and it sounds like that that's the approach that they're taking so your thoughts yeah i mean i agree with everything you have said i thought the name was really interesting with voxel 51 i wanted to know is that like area 51 i don't know uh but you know i i do agree with you on I mean, this is sounds like it's very similar and kind of competitive to even what, you know, a ground level insights is offering and some of their implications right now and how they're helping with social distancing and, uh, you know, just making sure that people are safe. Uh, and I also very much agree with the fact that privacy needs to be at the forefront with any of these technologies. How do we make sure that, um, that this stays in the hands of the businesses and that there is not, you know, facial recognition going into it and that 
um, you know, the data is safe and the video is safe and all of that information. Because I think it's especially when you start to think about, um, you know, more sensitive locations that might tie you to certain things, you know, whether that's health or, uh, you know, just lifestyle choices, then it gets to be, you know, it could be problematic and it could be, um, you know, it could be, it could be a challenge. And so I think balancing those things along the lines, um, you know, of moving forward with this type of technology for good, um, it could be really beneficial. My only question is from a long-term perspective is that, is this something that's going to be honestly the new normal moving forward? Is this what we're going to be adapting to like for here on out? I mean, I honestly hope not. Uh, but if I that, think, I think if we are, <laughs> I think we are. I mean, well, if, if it if, does, yeah, I mean, even pre COVID, if you look at a market like China, like masks were pretty much there. Right. Uh, and these kinds of things, you know, already uh, as part of everyday life. And I think, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't see that going away uh, here in North America anytime soon. Maybe, maybe not. But if it does go away, I mean, I think there's a large enough percentage of people that don't really want, you know, want to, for that to be the new normal. Yeah. Um, you know, what is, what does the trajectory for companies like this that are focused in this space look like? Like, what are the opportunities? And I mean, as we've seen, there's lots of other opportunities where they can provide value and, and drive, um, and, and drive, you know, drive increased revenue and analytics and things like that for these businesses. So, um, you know, that's my only question is what is, what is the outlook for those longer term? There you go. Well said. All right. On to some chicken. Uh, uh, all right. So food, because that's what I get. I get to tell food stories. Um, and this is a fun one. What's really interesting is this is a story about Popeyes. And I know that we talk a lot about Burger King and how they do, you know, a ton of really exciting and interesting uh, marketing. And they're very uh, forward thinking and just creative and have a great sense of humor. And, you know, Popeyes is kind of following suit, but they are sister companies in essence because they are both owned by uh, Restaurant Brands International, which also yeah. owns Tim Hortons. So pretty interesting thing there. But, you know, they've been promoting their nation, uh, national, it's like free delivery that they're promoting for their family meals. Um, and so like a couple weeks ago, what they did is they started um, kind of tailing these pizza drivers whenever they were out for delivery. And, and, you know, they, there's a video online that you can watch. It's pretty entertaining where this guy like tails the pizza driver to his delivery and then offers the family to swap their pizza for the Popeye's spicy chicken family meals. Um, so, you know, so he's, he's like been kind of tailing this. So now on the back of that, they've launched this other campaign kind of, uh, you know, just layering on the craziness. And now they're encouraging their their fans and consumers to borrow their family's phone. Uh, like when it's unlocked, you know, you find it and you replace you you replace the autocorrect word whenever the word pizza comes up, you autocorrect to Popeyes instead of pizza. So it's really funny. You can see these different exchanges between family members like, hey, what do you think about pizza for dinner? But what really is it, you know, is sent is, hey, what do you think about Popeyes instead of pizza for dinner? <coughs> um, so, you know, it's basically saying like when families are debating what to order, it's kind of hijacking those conversations. And, um, and then users can go on and post these screenshots of these conversations. We've seen tons of 
hysterical autocorrect conversations. At least I have. I love reading those. Um, and you use the hashtag um, love that autocorrect and you can post it on social media and get $5 off your next Popeye's family meal for purchase. So they worked with um, the agencies called Gut Agency, G-U-T, to, to roll this out. I mean, it's fun, right? This is fun. It's catchy. Um, you know, I'm not sure like how many people are actually going to be do, doing this, but I mean, you could even obviously like talk to your family and just kind of uh, fake want to get $5 off your, your family meal if you really wanted to. Uh, but, you know, I like the playfulness and the creativity here. And, and I think that, you know, in times like these, this, we need like lighthearted, fun marketing um, that is focused on your family. So I think this is a good campaign and it's not anything like mind blowing. It's not uh, necessarily using location or, you know, data necessarily to, uh, to drive and increase sales, but it is definitely increasing awareness about their family meals. And, um, you know, it, it's good for, for a laugh. <laughs> what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I love it. I mean, these guys, like the whole sort of restaurant brands, you know, team, the Burger King stuff, like the, the creative agencies that these guys work with, they come up with incredibly fun things. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a huge fan of this. You know, I don't have a lot more to add to it than what you said, other than uh, this is exact. This totally happened in my family. Like my daughter loves Popeyes. And, you know, we have these conversations when it's, you know, we're ordering out night or whatever, like, you know, whether it's pizza or whatever it is. And I could totally see her going into my phone and changing the, you know, pizza to Popeyes or whatever. Uh, I, like it, it's totally the kind of thing that would happen in my house, like without question. So, um, yeah, so like, love it. I think it's, it's super smart and creative, um, and good on them for coming up with, with new ways to do that. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, moving on to our fourth story now. Uh, so we're jumping over to the Philippines. Um, and as kind of people get back uh, to work and business and all of that, Food Panda, which is a huge uh, mobile food delivery uh, service over there, uh, has been doing a lot of uh, buying billboards, digital out of home billboard space uh, and running programmatic campaigns. What's interesting is they're using traffic data and weather data to target uh, what's displayed on the out-of-home displays. Um, and so they're curating uh, the messages based on the real-time data uh, for the people that are going by. And so a good example of this is if it's a sunny day, for example, the data platform picks up on the warm weather and then it shows, you know, an ad for Halo ice cream, um, you know, on the screen as people drive by. And if it's raining, you might get an ad for, you know, comfort food items or something like that. In the pre-morning time, you know, time of day based, you know, you might see coffee ads running, um, you know, to pick up your app and order your coffee or those types of things. So completely dri driving the creative, the ad content uh, based on time of day and weather and, you know, real uh, data that's coming in uh, into this. And, you know, it's not, this isn't new. This has been going on for a long time. Um, but I think what I like about it is, is that when you think about sort of coming out of you know, the COVID lockdown and people starting to go back to work and, and uh, driving again and passing billboards and all of that. I think you need to be super smart uh, in capturing people when they are there because they're not all there like they were before. 
Um, and so I think sort of jumping on, you know, understanding the variables that you have at your disposal and the content that you can then trigger based on that is, is, is a good, you know, if there's ever a time to do it, like now's the time to do it, right? Because uh, you want to be able to maximize the, the traffic that's coming by those, those screens. Um, and so I, th I just think it's a super smart way to go about it. And I think especially too, when you're, when you're looking at um, a service like Food Panda, um, you know, which is kind of driving the content behind this too, because we all know you can, there's, you know, across the board, no matter which platform you're talking about, whether it's this or Uber Eats or DoorDash or what have you, um, you know, everybody's using these platforms right now uh, in COVID. So um, all the more uh, reason to be, to be on it. So. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, we've talked about this before, this type of data correlation makes sense. Everybody's got to eat, right? So um, using the context of what's going on around those digital signs, um, you know, I think it, it's just like a no brainer, right? Um, so I, you know, I think that it's interesting because we always talk about the correlation between you know, what you see or what you hear and what you want to eat. And I think that that's so true. So uh, like more so in food than probably other industries, <laughs> how our brain works, right? Uh, so I think that this makes complete sense. And like you said, you know, what, what I like about this is that it's not, you know, digital signage obviously has a location, but it's not necessarily tied to the location of the individual devices, which we know can be problematic, maybe moving forward for what the future looks like uh, with that industry. And so leveraging more of the context of the location of the fixed billboard, as well as what's going on around it, I think just uh, is set up for success longer term. Um, which if you don't have anything else to add on the story is kind of a good segue to the next story. <laughs> and our final story that we have. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. Um, okay. So the final story we have is a partnership announcement that just came out today, I believe, um, where yep. TapAd and Reveal Mobile are partnering together. And, you know, these are two, uh, two companies that, you know, we've talked about before on here. Um, uh, I'm, I know Reveal is a member company as well, right? So, yep. Um, yep. you know, we've had a lot of, of interaction with them and, and seen them um, and how they've grown and changed and moved, moved into different industries over the years. Uh, but this partnership is really about combining two different, uh, you know, features. So TapAd is really known more for its cross device, um, like matching technology uh, for advertising. And so they claim that they can know all the devices that are tied to specific households. Um, and so they have this pixel based attribution feature now with Reveal Mobiles um, called Visit Local Program. Um, so that's more of like the point of interest attribution. So there's lots of digital brands and agencies that are using uh, Reveal Mobile for their location-based analytics. And, um, and now they're hoping that with this partnership, they can just really uh, drive improved performance um, and you know, optimizing their ad campaigns and messaging based upon uh, location. So a good example that they gave uh, you know, in the press release today was that if one member of the household is shopping, you know, for maybe like food from the grocery store or clothes or 
something like that, that sometimes there's, you know, I don't know, like we talked about, what do you want to do for dinner? There's, or what do you want to cook? Or what do you need from the store? There's those types of conversations going on within the household a lot of time. And now with this cross device matching and also the point of interest attribution, you can have influence over the entire household versus just, you know, one specific member. So this is, you know, helping them expand their location-based services um, and, you know, help them maximize the messaging um, through their advertising and hopefully the efficacy there as well. So my take on this is that this partnership makes complete sense to me. It's, you know, a pretty natural progression, uh, you know, based on what both companies focus on. Um, you know, my question really is like, what is the future of, this industry look like, right? We've talked about a lot of the challenges and changes that are that are broaching the ad tech industry right now. So we've got, um, you know, you, you've got third party cookies going away. And now you've got Apple making this announcement about um, really the deprecation of the IDFA and how that's going to impact the industry. You know, if Google is Google going to follow suit, I'm not sure. Uh, but my question is, will context move to the forefront and will location be kind of an afterthought, you know? Um, I think the challenge currently in location-based attribution is scale a lot of times and being able to say, you know, when you really hone in on one specific location, the amount of devices that you can attribute to that, that audience is, can tend to be very small. Um, you know, and that is across every provider. I think it's just the amount of data that's readily available tied to specific locations. You know, if you're looking at all of the consumers across an entire country that maybe visit a Popeyes or something, um, or competitive stores, then you can garner a larger audience. But I think that, you know, now with the way that the industry is moving, I am just wondering what's going to remain relevant at scale. Um, and how will companies like this with these focuses pivot or iterate in order to maintain relevancy? Um, and I think that they can do it, right? There's always ways forward. We've seen a lot of companies do that and, uh, you know, just be innovative as they move forward. But it's going to be an interesting next few years, I feel like. So what do you think? <laughs> For sure, it's going to be an interesting next few years. Like, there's there's no doubt about it, right? There's so many changes happening. Um, who knows where the privacy laws are going to go from where they are right now? Um, who knows what Google is going to do in, you know, following suit with Apple's uh, IDFA, uh, you know, announcements and things like that, right? But, I, yeah, I, I think one of the, you know, like sort, sort of this idea of, you know, the cookie-less environment and, you know, how do you, as a marketer or an agency, um, you know, figure out, you know, how you identify the audience that you want to go after, I think is completely uh, shifting. And I think that people are going to need to find new ways to do that. I know one of the things that, you know, we're really uh, sensing, you know, in my ground-level business right now is that, to your point, I think, um, you know, when you look at some POIs and some of the data that's available around POIs, there's just not a lot of, you know, traffic that you can see there because of just what's out there. Um, and so what we're finding is the need to supplement that uh, with, you know, first party sensor data that's, you know, actually coming from uh, the actual traffic in the building uh, and things like that to complement the, the mobile data. Um, and, and I think it's going to be 
you know, maybe that's not the right solution necessarily, but I think, you know, companies are going to have to find different ways to blend data sets together and, and match across devices and blend that with location and, you know, all sorts of other things that we don't even know yet, right? Um, you know, could be camera data, could be, you know, uh, public, um, you know, uh, GPS data, you know, from governments. It could be all kinds of different things that, you know, are not even available at the moment that could be in another year or two. So, um, yeah, I think the market is shifting. But, you know, I think in terms of these two companies, I think this is a good partnership between Reveal and TapAd. I think uh, it, it's a it's a step in the right direction in terms of, you know, where, where the industry immediately sort of needs to go in terms of trying to, you know, provide some way to fill gaps at the moment. Um, and so I'll just leave it at that. It's by no means the only uh, way to do that, but certainly, uh, you know, um, a logical partnership uh, to be formed between these two companies. Yep. So that's it. That's our, uh, our show for this week. You've been listening to episode number 476 of Location Weekly. We thank you for your time. Um, and uh, if you have feedback, story ideas, please reach out to us. We're easily found on all the channels. If you're watching the video version of this, contact information is at the end. Um, and of course, we'll be back next week with yet another show. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.